privilege up here to come up here when I get the time to preach to you guys. And I'm glad that you're willing to listen, uh, to bear with my foolishness just for a moment if you can. But uh, today, right, uh, they have me preaching. And if my teens have already heard this message, and hopefully if it's stuck with them, if not, then they're going to get to hear it again. But it's a lesson that I preached at camp. And even a message that I practiced on with the campus when it was in its rough draft stages. And uh, it's just something that we were doing at camp. We were doing a play on, like the theme of camp was marvelous. And we did a play on with obviously the Avengers, the Infinity War. And we did a play on with all the Infinity Stones, right? You know, the brothers, they, you know, they had the Time Stone, the Mind Stone, the Power Stone, Space Stone. And they gave me to talk about the soul, right? And so that's what I'm going to preach on today is just about the soul. It's something that I think can tend to be forgotten a lot. And uh, while I'm talking, turn to Mark chapter 8 while, while I have your attention. And the title of today's message is, If You Knew It's Worth. Right? If You Knew It's Worth. And there's a lot of things we find worth in, right? We find worth in our clothes, the hairstyles. It could be your career, the grades that you have at school, your friends, um, social media, right? You can, find, you can find what value in that, whether it's your Snapchat account, your streets with it, Facebook, what you want to post, Twitter, whatever it may be, right? But you find some type of value in that to let people know what's going on in your life through these social media or finding out about different news outlets. And even that, we may even find worth in the stock, right, the stock market. Uh, you know, worry about that NASDAQ or something, uh, the Dow Jones. That's about where it ends for me right there, guys, when it comes to stock knowledge. Uh, that's about where it ends, NASDAQ and Dow Jones, uh, cryptocurrency, whatever it may be, Bitcoin, right? But you, we find worth in all these different things, family, books, video games. Um, and even we even find worth when it comes to our relationship with God, right? We find worth in Jesus and that he died for our forgiveness. But I think the one thing we tend to forget about is our soul a lot of times. Because I don't know about you, but when it comes to making decisions or just thinking about things in my life, the question is, how does this affect my soul rarely ever passes my mind? Like, it's just something that just doesn't pass by. Like, how is this going to do, you know, what's that song, Well With My Soul? I mean, we sing it, but I don't know if we're really asking that question once we leave out of here, right? So I don't, I don't really ask that. And so today, and what he, what he talks about when it comes to our soul. And just to give you a little bit of information about if you're like, okay, what's a soul? Our soul is the very essence of us, right? It's what makes your character, it's what highlights your intentions, it's what makes you, you. That's what your soul is. But we're going to see what type of worth Jesus sees in our soul here in Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 37. And it states, Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. And what, what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, the whole world, but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And so when we read this passage here, right, we focus on Jesus always typically about denying ourselves, right, picking up our cross, right? But the thing is here that Jesus highlights at the end of it all, the reason why we do all this is he's saying that at the end of it is that our soul is worth more than anything in the world. And I don't know about y'all, but it's like over what? A little over 7 billion people make up this world. And Jesus is saying that our soul is worth more than that. 
Jesus is saying that everything encompassing, that's encompassed this world, right, especially living here in Texas, you know how big the world is. For You know how big it is. Down the street to us is 30 minutes now these days, right? Most of you probably drove at least 30 minutes, and you stay in Arlington. And, and so you know how big the world is. And so that's the thing we have to see here that Jesus is trying to convey out to us that, man, your soul is so much more than the world. Don't give it up for that. What the world has to give to us is not worth anything. But sometimes we don't get that message, right? Sometimes we don't see the worth in our soul. And I want to highlight two points today to really show if you really knew the worth of your soul, you would be doing these two things. Now, these aren't the only two things to do, but these are two crucial things I want us to center, to focus on. And so the first point that I want to make, and we'll be in Isaiah 55, and the first point will be if you... If you, really knew about the, if you really knew the worth of your soul, you will be feeding it. So starting here in Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 3, it says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen. Listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the riches of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. So we have Isaiah here speaking, right? And a lot that hit y'all when they said, you know, come buy the wine and cheese and it costs no money. Some of y'all are like, oh, where is that at? Um, but... Right, God, Isaiah's preaching to the Israelites to let them know, like, hey, you put all your, your investment into your work, right? You put all your money into this food, but at the end of the day, does it, at the, it fills you for that moment, but temporarily it doesn't, but in the long run it doesn't last. It's very temporary. And we use the food concept here because it's very simple to, to know, right? When you get hungry, you want to eat. And whatever that favorite food of yours might be, right, it may be some fried food. It may be burgers. It may be salad for some reason, right? Uh, a, it may be Asian food or Mexican food or those people with the, you know, those gluten-free people, you know? So it may be something like that. Uh, and so we always want, we want to eat what fits within our, within our dietary needs. We want to eat what tastes good to us. We don't want to eat nothing that's bad. And when it comes to eating something bad, I think about this time a couple years back when I was in, well, on our way to Houston, well, coming back from Houston, uh, we had this teen-led conference, and at the teen-led conference, if you don't know what a teen-led conference is, it's where our teen delegates that we choose lead uh, basically the whole conference. It's ran by teens. You're kind of like, how is that? But it actually goes pr pretty well, actually. Um, but so, right, and they served this uh, Jamaican food. This one sister or whatever was a caterer, and she served Jamaican food. And so, I mean, this is my first time ever tasting this, so I was just like, okay, I'm going to go at it. And it, and it tasted good. And it tasted so good, I went back for seconds. Um, but then the very next morning when I woke up, and I, we were staying at, we were all like staying at people's houses. Different disciples were housing us. I woke up, and my stomach was just in a foul mood. And I was like, man, I don't like to disrespect somebody's house like this, but I got to clear my system. Like, I, I, I got to clear my system. And so I cleared it. And so then I'm like, okay, that's cool, that's whatever. So we got dressed, got ready, and before we left, I was like, oh, my goodness, I got to clear it again. <laughs> and so I cleared my system again in that man's house, and to this day I pray for his, I, I pray for his forgiveness. <laughs> uh, 
And so I'm going to church. I'm still not thinking much of it. And I get the, we get to church service. And right when we get there, I had to do it again. I had to clear my system. And I'm just like, what is going on? And there was even one church leader telling me, like, oh, man, my wife can't even make it, man. She's having the same issues. And in my mind, it's still not registering, like, man, something's going on here. And I'm just like, why am I clearing my system like this? I'm like, what else is there to clear at this point? Uh, and so church service goes through, and I'm probably get up two or three more times doing the church service. Um, and then once we got to the bus, before we got on the bus, I had to do it again. I'm like, guys, probably before we even got to the bus, I probably went about ten times within the, that day. Um, and so we got on the bus, and then other people on the bus stomachs were starting to hurt too with some of the teens. And then it started to like, was it the food? And then Will Garcia calls me up. He's like, dude, I had to stop too, man. I think it's the food. I th- I'm just like, oh, man, the food was undercooked. And some of the teens weren't affected because they got the first helping. And me being the teen leader, you know, I want, you know, them to go first. And so I got the leftovers, you know, just trying to be a good servant. But uh, I, I probably won't do that again if that's the case. But, but I, and so I'm just like, man, this food has really got me like that. And it got so bad that we all had to stop the bus and get off. And me and just a row of teens got off at this gas station, right? And we're just all taking up the whole toilets. And I'm just like, is this how it ends for me? Is this it? Is this how we, this is, this is what, this is what life is for me right now. Like, it's going to be me and a row of teens dying on a toilet, and I can see the news right now, just stating like, man, local teen leader and teens die. And the scene can only be described as a smell. Tragic. And I'm just like, man. And then even after that, they were all good, but I still had to stop like two or three more times. And people know we were probably a little bit behind getting back to Dallas because of my stomach. And so from that day forward, I said, I'm going to make sure whatever food I eat is cooked right. Because I don't ever want to go through that ever again. I don't ever want to deal with that ever again, guys. I don't ever want to be on the toilet that many days in my life like that. That many, well, that many just hours in my life. Most of my time was spent on the toilet that day. And so that's the thing, right? And we don't want to eat nothing that's corrupted. We don't want to eat nothing that's undercooked, right? We don't want to be clearing our system all day, right? We make sure what we eat is fine. But when it comes to our soul, do we make sure that we're not corrupting nothing with that? Do we make sure that we don't feed our soul nothing corrupted when it comes to our soul? And that's the thing you have to ask yourself. If you haven't eaten corrupted food, what have you been corrupting your soul with lately? Has it been lust? Has it been listening to inappropriate conversations or jokes while you're at school or at work or participating in them? Is it toxic relationships? Is it pride, selfishness? Cussing, social media, technology, yourself, just trying to stay in your comfort zone, falling to peer pressure. We see we invest in all these things, right? We invest in all this stuff that we feel satisfies us in the end, but we still come out empty. And then we're left wondering why. And that's what God, and that's what Isaiah is trying to convey here through the message God gave him, right? Trying to convey to the Israelites that you're investing in all these things and you're not going to come out full. You're not going to come out satisfied. You're still going to be hungry. You're still going to be thirsty when it's all said and done, right? And the thing is, we don't even see that. And if the question you got to ask yourself is, why are you invested in these things or people that won't satisfy you today when they don't affect you internally? Because the thing is, right, there's a lot of things we invest in, right? Because the thing is, a lot of us, you can stay up to date with the latest fashion and the latest trends, right? But your soul has been out of season for a while, <laughs> You do so well at getting noticed by your coworkers and boss at work and even your friends at school, but you stay unseen by God. 
you do so well at getting prepared for that big test, so well at making sure to get the, all the answers correct, but you never get your soul prepared to stand with God. And you do so well at right, you're the great at being the best in Fortnite, right? 2K, Madden, FIFA, uh, the baseball game if you play that or something, right? But your soul always comes in last place when it comes to seeking a relationship with God. You provide for your family financially, right? You keep that roof over their head. You make sure to get all your kids to their activities, whether it be sports, debate, spelling bee, cheerleaders, whatever it may be, right? You provide them all that. But do you provide them a spiritual foundation for their soul at the house? And then you're left wondering, why is my kid not doing spiritually well? When what have you provided for their soul lately? You like right with that stock market picture, right? You feed into that 401k, your savings, right, that trust fund, whatever it may be, right? You feed all into that, but you don't ever feed into your soul. You make sure to rise it all up, right? Make sure everything is going well, but at the end of it, right, you never see it coming. You never see it coming when it's dropping. And that's the thing. We invest in all these things, but we never see it coming. Like when it comes to relationships, right? Some of you got such a great guy, right, a great gal in your life, right? Y'all connect physically, personally, right? Y'all are just mm, right there, right there, right, on this personal level. But yet your ungodly relationship only gets you closer to you, but y'all never get your soul closer to God. You're so focused on what you can do for yourself, but never asked about your soul. That's the thing to look, even with you dating couples. Has your boyfriend or girlfriend ever asked about your soul? And if not, that should concern you. That really should concern you if that has never been a question in their life. If they have never been concerned about your soul, why is that? And why are you still in that relationship? It's something to really ask yourself. And, right, even, but even then, some of you are like, man, Jamal, I stay in the house. I read my Bible, man. I pray and stuff like that. Great. You do all that, but yet you don't ever step outside and go share that word with nobody. You don't ever go pray for nobody, right? You don't ever go do that. You just stay cooped up, reading your Bible, but never putting it into action. You're not feeding your soul the right way if you do that. And, and the thing is you got to ask yourself, for the past six months, if you've been doing so spiritually well like you say you have, if you've been doing so spiritually well, why are you still struggling to respect your parents or something, right? just to go do the dishes at the house? Why are you still struggling to do that, right? Why are you still struggling to share your faith? Some people have been disciples for maybe 10 years and it's still a struggle. Why is that? Why have you not grown in that? Why don't you know how to still seek advice these days? Why do you still try to go after people in the world to get advice from and nobody that's actually trying to challenge you? Why are you so inward focused instead of outward focused, right? It's just when is someone going to call me, right? When is someone going to feed my needs, right? That's what God is for. If only you had that same thought process when it came to God, right? You're always like, who's going to call me? When are you going to call God, right? What are you going to do that, right? When are you going to make sure that the same, the same guidelines that you set for people, do you stay to them same guidelines with you and God? And the thing we have to see for ourselves, we have to feed ourselves. We have to feed our soul. If we want to make it into God's kingdom, we have to start feeding our soul. Because if we don't, we're going to be left out of it. Now, the question is, right, well, then how do we feed our soul, right? Jamal, you've been telling me what I've been doing wrong. What can I do to feed my soul? <laughs> well, let's look back at verse 2 of Isaiah. And it says, 
Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good, and your soul will delight in the riches of fair. So first it talks, it talks about God who wants people who want to listen. It's so important it states listen twice in there, right? He's like, listen, listen closely to what I'm about to say. So the thing you got to ask yourself is when you come to his word, do you take the, take, take the time to see what is God really saying to you? Do you really? And, uh, and I think about it, um, actually, I thought about it this morning when I got this little, I saw this little box on my dresser. It's Reese's. I hope she doesn't mind. Um, uh, but it's, these are Altoids, right? And I don't know if y'all can see this, right? It's very small, right? It's very small to see, but it's an Altoid. And if I eat this, right, is this going to fill me up for today? Probably not, right? If I eat two or three more, you think it's going to fill me up? Probably not, right? But the thing is with this, right? Now, I'm not going to throw it like Mark did with the sunflower seeds. I'm not going to throw that. <laughs> that would be disgusting to do to you guys. I'm not going to do that. I don't have that type of credibility to do that. <laughs> um, but the thing is, a lot of times, this is what we're feeding our souls these days. We're feeding it this and thinking, like, why am I not full right now? Cause they, and I know how someone's soul is doing when I go up to people and I say, oh, man, how have you been? Oh, man, I've been doing great, man. I've been to these church events, man. I've been to these studies. I'm like, I didn't ask about what church events you went to or what studies you're in. I just asked, how are you doing? Why is your soul connected to you going to church events and being in a study? Well, what does that have to do with your soul? Because you can be in the studies. You can, you can go to church events. Judas was out there getting rid of demons with people. Judas was doing that. He was baptizing people, and he wasn't doing spiritually well. So I'm not, now I'm not saying don't go to church events or nothing like that. I'm not saying that. You need to build those relationships. But I'm saying that has nothing to do with your soul. Why is that the way you connect to your soul? And that's alarming if that's what you say. Because that's what the thing is. We try to feed ourselves on one thing, right? We read our Bible for five to ten minutes and say, I'm good. Pray for my food today, somewhere, sometime, somewhat, someday. And I'm doing well. I'm doing well. This is what's doing well, Right? This right here is what's doing well for your soul. And the thing is, a lot of times we get to like, man, Satan's really working. Satan's not working on this. Satan's not working for this. Satan sees no threat in this. Satan sees no threat, and that's what if you're feeding your soul. Satan's been on vacation probably since January, if that's the case. Because y'all have been doing his work well enough for him, if that's the case. He's saying, what do I even have to do if that's what they're feeding themselves? Let me just work on reserving their spots right here in my kingdom right now. Let me reserve their spots in hell. Don't worry, I got a nice little plaque for them because I don't even have to do nothing now these days. They do all the work for me. They do it all. They don't even bother feeding themselves enough. They feed themselves on me, and I don't even put it out there for them. They just go ahead and do it themselves. So really, Satan's scared of that. He's not. This is not going to be enough to feed yourself. Because think about it when you go to these, uh, right, they were sharing about ICMC. When you go to ICMC, you go to camp, you have those marriage retreats, right, or you have those other conferences going on for the singles or whatever it may be, right? And for some reason when you're at those conferences, you're like at this spiritual high, right? You're like, dude, like I can, I can change the world today. Like I can, with the married people, right, man, nothing's going to stop my marriage. It's going to be spiritually sound right now. And you know what, we're going to even go reach out to our neighbors today. We're about to start up a Bible talk today right in the marriage, right? That's how you feel when you come for that marriage retreat. And Cambridge, you're probably thinking, like, man, if only the school semester started right now, right now, boy, I'd be in, like, five studies or something right now. I'd have five people behind me right now, right? 
the teens are like, man, oh, sign me up, Jamal. Let's study the Bible right now. Let's study it right now, right? The singles are thinking like, man, I'm about to get everybody at my job. Everybody's coming when they come from the conference, right? But when we leave that conference, all of a sudden we hit this spiritual desolation. We just hit bottom. It's just like, what happened? Why have I just hit this bottom? I was doing so well when I was at the conferences. I was doing so well. Was I being fake or something? I don't think you were being fake. The thing is you were constantly feeding yourself during that time. You were spiritually feeding yourself. You were reading a lot. You got up in the morning to read and stuff. You don't normally get up in the morning to read. You've been praying a lot. You've been talking to other brothers and sisters a lot. You're surrounded by people who are trying to do spiritually well. But the thing is you don't take that home with you when you go back. You don't stay in contact with those people like you were when you were at the conference or camp. You're not constantly reading like you were back then. You're not reaching out. You're not having those conversations like you normally were back then, right? You weren't having conversations about the Bible. Now you're just debating on whether great side A or side B album was good or not or something like that, right? You're debating on that. You're debating on the World Cup or something now these days. You're worrying about that. But that's the thing. If you want to feed your soul, you have to constantly keep doing it. And it can't be altoid size. It got to be a full course meal, guys. It got to be a full course meal. It got to have the fixings and all. It just can't be anything. And I think of a passage that I think can really help us when it comes to that, right? And I think of Psalm 63, verse 1. And it says, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you in this parched and weary land where there is no water. And as it states here, right, we got to thirst for God. Even when it's looking dry out here, right? Even when it's looking like, man, I don't think no one can help me. Your soul has to long for God. Because that's what your soul wants at the end of the day. It doesn't want nothing in this world, right? You can think like, oh, man, it wants to be in a relationship. It doesn't want that. Oh, it wants to have me to have this great career. It doesn't care for that. Your soul just wants to be with God. That's all it wants. It says you can keep all that other stuff. I just want to be with God. What are you going to do to help me get with God, right? And it starts with breathing consistently. It starts with praying. It starts with sharing your faith, right? It starts with really making sure what are you putting, what are you putting into your soul, and a lot of times, right, we're like, Jamal, that's hard for me to be consistent in anything. I really, it's hard for me to be consistent and do anything daily these days. But there's these things called Snapchat streaks, right? And with a streak, you got to do it every day, right? And so the thing is that you stay up to date with your Snapchat streaks, right? You can stay up to date with 20 or so people and have over 30 or 40. Not even just Snapchat, right? Some of you are very good at updating your Facebook, right, your Twitter, whatever it may be, and keeping us up to date with what's going on in your world, right? Keeping us up to date, making sure that we're impressed by what's going on in your life. Look at where I'm at. Look at where I'm going today, right? Right? You want to make sure that wherever you're at, you're making sure to impress the rest of us back home, right? That's what you're making sure to do. And you do that consistently, daily, putting up videos or whatever it may be. You're always ready to comment on something, right? Ready to comment on something that you don't like, whether it be politics, whether it be sports, whether it just be something just off the wall. You're ready to like it consistently, uh, comment, react to it, whatever it may be, right? But the thing is, you don't do that with God, huh? You can't constantly update yourself with God, right? You can, some of you may be, it's, it's, just, it's just a second nature to look at your phone and look at the Facebook account, right? It's just second nature to look at what's going on there, like, oh, look what's going on there. And your soul looks like, man, I wish you see what's going on here right now. I wish you see what's going on with me right now. Yes, Jamal and Risa went horseback riding, but that's not important, guys. It's really not that important. It's not that essential to know. Uh, but it's your soul wants to make sure, are you staying updated with it? Are you staying updated with your soul? Are you making sure 
that is constantly being fed. Because it's so quick to easily like something, to comment on it, right? And you can follow all these people, right? Some of you have over hundreds of friends that you follow. You just got to follow one Jesus, guys. You just got to follow one Jesus. That's all you got to follow. It's just one Jesus. That's all he's asking. He's just asking, can you just follow me? Nothing else. That's all I'm asking for. But it's hard to do that. And the thing is, when it comes to feeding our soul, right, the word, say, the word says it provides for us everything that we need. But sometimes the world likes to fool us. Sometimes the world likes to make it seem like it can quench our thirst better than the word. Which leads into my second point. If you knew the word for your soul, you would give up the world for it. And looking back in Mark, right, I think about how Jesus states how giving up our soul for the world is just not worth it, right? But it's interesting to read how if we take one, we give up the other. And you're probably thinking like, well, Jamal, is it, can I not have both? Can I not have the world and God, but I'm just trying to do good in the world? Well, let's look at what James chapter 4 says. James chapter 4, verses 4 through 5. You adulterers. So, yeah, you, he's already letting you know how he feels. You adulterers. Don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, just in case you didn't hear it the first time. If you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And that, that passage always strikes a chord with me, right? Because the world, it is a beautiful place when you look at it, right? When there's not like some strip mall or some highway getting built on it, right? But it's a beautiful place where you really stand outside and just look at nature and just see like, man, this is what God has created. But us as humans, right, we can abuse that and turn it into something that God never meant it to be. And that's what you have to ask yourself. Do you trust what the world offers you more than what is God offering? And why? Because the world can be very deadly to our souls. And the thing is, would you say that you've been more of a friend of the world than a friend of God? Would you fit in better with your coworkers or your friends than you would in God's kingdom? When people are with you, do you lead them to God's path or your own path? Are you willing to give up everything for a relationship with God? Because if not, then are you comfortable with being an enemy of God today? If you're not willing to give that up, are you comfortable with being an enemy of God? Because I don't know about you guys, but that's not going to work out the best. Being an enemy of God is not something that you really want to go toe-to-toe with right now. And I think about this passion when it comes about choosing the world over God. I think about back when I was graduating from high school. And I was a disciple maybe at that point for maybe, yeah, two years. And there came a time when I had to choose between schools, right? And I, love, I really love football. I love football today. <laughs> but there was a, I got offered by, from the school in Waxahachie called Sagu. And it's an NAI division school, and they were offering me something. They were offering me to play there. So I was like, oh, man, I want to jump on that right away. But then I also got a call from UNT, University of North Texas, and they were offering me an academic scholarship where they were covering 95% of my tuition. 95%, right? I was like, oh, well, I didn't know I was doing that well in my class. But okay. Uh, right? And, but the thing was, it made sense, right? Even today, I'm like, man, that makes so much sense that I should have went with UNT. I don't know what life would have been like if I went to UNT in the North region, but and I was like, man, it makes so much sense for me to have gone there. But foolishly, I chose Sagu because I just wanted to play football. And the thing was, it wasn't like I got a yes from anybody. The only yes I got was from my coaches. My, my mom and dad didn't say yes to it. My team leaders didn't say yes to it. Nobody, uh, the other disciples weren't saying yes to it. Everybody was, it was 100% no from everybody. 
that you were not, because there was no campus ministry out there. It was 100% no. And I was like, well, I'm going to wax a hatchet. I'm going to still make it out to church service. Maybe I'll start a Bible talk out there, guys, really. Because I was also feeling confident in myself, cocky. Because at this point, when I was at the tail end of my senior year, there was a bunch of people that fell away. But I was like, look who's still here. The black sheep of the church, little old Jamal, is still faithful and still here. They doubted him, but he's right here. Uh, and so I feel really good about myself. And I was like, I can make it. Out of anybody that can do it, I can do it. Right? And that was the sign right there. But I was too foolish to see. So, of course, I went off to Sagu. And at first, I was, you know, I was reading something. I was, I was taking my Altoid. I was taking my little Altoid and thinking that was enough. Every day. Um, and I was still calling Eugene or some people here and there. But obviously, as time progressed, I got just invested in football. I just started losing sight of everything. My reading was dying down and all. And so then I started falling back into my sinful nature of stealing. So that was a big thing for me. And then one day I walked into a Walmart on a weekend, was stealing a bunch of items like, uh, what was it, like $500 worth of stuff? Yeah, like just $500 worth of stuff. Um, and so then I got caught by a mystery shopper. And I then, next thing I know, I'm, in, I'm behind bars for about like two, three days behind bars. And of course I didn't want to call my parents. I didn't want to call nobody. I was just trying to figure out how to get out of this myself. And the situation was, even when I was on my way to the jail cell, I was still thinking about myself. I wasn't thinking about, Jamal, how far have you fallen from God right now? I wasn't thinking about that. Until I, once I was sitting there behind the jail cell, I started judging these people who were having like a little prayer circle over there in the jail cell. And they were like, do you want to join, bro? I'm like, their doctor's not even correct probably. And I'm just like, uh. And the thing is, I'm like, you're in a jail cell just like them right now, Jamal. Uh, like, right now, you don't have any options right now. Uh, and it's just really sad. When I said that comment, it, I, heard, I heard it myself. I'm like, man, what is wrong with me? I'm like, God, if I get out of this some way, somehow, without having to spend any more time in jail, I'm done doing what I want to do. I'm just going to focus on what you want me to do with my life. Even if I don't feel it, I'm just going to do it. Because me going down my own path, it ain't, obviously, it ain't leading me nowhere right now. If this is what my path is leading me towards, I don't want nothing to do with it. And so then once I got out, I was on probation for a year, had to do some community service, and I was just glad just to get away with that, right? Just to have the chance of being like, man, I didn't have to serve no jail time when I really probably should have. And it sat with me just like, man, no longer will I focus on giving to the world. I'm always going to stay focused on giving to God, right? Because there's always people who are like, oh, Jamal, you're so spiritual. Once you sit behind a jail cell, you're like, oh, dog, I ain't trying to go back there no more. Uh, once you sit behind a jail cell, reality sinks in like, man, if this is bad, I can only imagine what hell is like right now. Uh, so that's where I made that decision where I'm just like, I'm saying yes to everything God says. Even if I'm not feeling it at that moment, I'm saying yes because I ain't going back there. Uh, and so that's the thing we have to look at is like, man, there's a lot of things that we can say like, man, God's okay with, but he's really not. There's things in the world that we say, man, God's okay with this. But he's really not. You're just trying to justify it and make it sound good. You're just trying to make it sound spiritual, right? It could be like you're saying like, oh, man, you've been spending all the time talking with your interests. But we talk about spiritual things. Yeah, I'm for sure y'all talked a lot about your five-minute quiet time. Y'all just talked about a lot of spiritual things, right? And that's the thing, too. When it comes to relationships, it's kind of getting spooky, guys. Because a lot of times people are just settling just for whatever. The standard for being righteous now is just being able to spell Bible these days. They can spell Bible, so, I mean, they got to be somewhat Christian, right? That's the standard these days, and it's just sad, and it scares me to see that's where people go at when it comes to their relationships. It scares me 
when I see that people, we can binge watch the latest show, right? We can binge watch Netflix. We can sit there and play our games for hours, right? We can sit there and watch sports for hours, right? Watch the stock market for hours maybe or something, right? But we can't spend hours with God. That's hard for us to do. We just can't make sense of it, right? And then the thing is you got to look at yourself like, man, how's it going right now with making sure that you're giving up the world? How is slaying that Goliath going, right? How is being not of this world going? How is forgiving others going? How is being loving? How about having self-control? How about being, how about protecting other people's hearts, right? How is that going right now? Because the thing is we give the world so much power, so much power over our souls when it doesn't. And the reason why I know it doesn't, because when I read here in Matthew 10, Matthew 10, verse 28, it says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God, who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So it's saying fear only God, because he's the only one that can really do something to your soul. Anybody else, all they can do something is to your body. All they can do is destroy that. And I think sometimes, man, even lately, we're scared of the world. Even, and I don't even want to just say just out there in the world. We're scared of trying to correct each other here in the church, right? We're scared of calling each other higher because we're scared of how somebody may react. You may be dealing with situations, whether it be uh, your, your wife or your, your spouse, your wife or your husband, right? There's situations going on there, but you don't want to do nothing because you don't want to end up upsetting them. You don't want to say nothing that may upset them. You may have situations going on with your roommates. Your roommates are spending somewhere they shouldn't be spending time with. Or better yet, they're bringing it to your house. But you don't want to say nothing because you're scared how they may, re- may beat you up or something. I don't know why they would beat you up, but you may be scared of that or something, right? You're just scared to call them higher. And you're just like, man, I'd just rather the elders be the bad guys. Well, I'd be like, man, that's so messed up what they're saying to you. Who's trying to help you? Are you trying to help them? Really? Are you trying to help them? Because help is not saying, buck up, old pal. Maybe you'll do better next time. That's not help. When someone gets open about their impurity, do you challenge them on their impurity? Or do you just say, oh, man, that's messed up? When someone gets open to you about their drunkenness, do you try to justify, like, oh, if you were just a little tipsy, man, it wasn't that drunk. No, it's drunk. It's drunk. When someone gets open to you about immorality, you just say, like, oh, man, just ease back sometimes. It's not ease back. It's not ease back. It may need to get cut off. And there are some people, like I said, you're in some relationships that you need to cut off. But you're so scared because you're afraid of what that person may think. You're so scared, like, man, if I say something, that person may just fall away. Well, if they're going to fall away from what you said, then they obviously weren't with God from the beginning. They, were obviously, they obviously weren't with God from the beginning. And that's the thing that we need to do here. You People need to speak up. People need to start speaking up when they see sin. People really do. Because it's, getting, it's, getting, it's really becoming something now, these guys. We're talking about church discipline. We're talking about all these different things because nobody else wants to speak up. Everybody else just wants to let things go and just hopefully it'll blow over. It'll just blow over. Just imagine Nathan when he spoke to David and he's just like, ah, oh, we'll just let the David and Bathsheba thing just blow over. I mean, I, I know I got here a little, a little late, but it's been a while now, so it'll blow over, right? No, right? Imagine David saying like, man, Nathan, why are you getting on me, man? It happened so long ago. It'll just blow over, right? Someone who says it'll just blow over obviously is not angry about their sin. If you're more angry that people are trying to help you more than your sin, there's an issue right there. That's an issue right there because you're so worried about why is everyone trying to help me? Why is everyone trying to, okay, I guess so. Why is the doctor trying to cure you then, right? 
Why is the doctor constantly trying to check up on me about my diabetes or something like that? Why is he worried about what I eat these days? Because he wants to help you. And that's what other disciples are here for. They want to help you. But instead, we see the world as the friend, right? But the disciples as the enemy. We see the world as the friend, but God is out to get us. Everybody's out to get us these days. That's not the church, guys. That's the world. The world's out to get you, and you got it backwards. And that's why Satan's on vacation right now. Because it's like it's back. They got it backwards. I haven't even had to do nothing to twist their thoughts. They're so fooled right now. They're so deceived to think that people are out to get them in the church. They don't even know what the world is doing to them. And that's what we have to see here. You can't be afraid to give up the world. You will gain a soul that is right with God in return. And in conclusion, I want to close out with this scripture and this illustration. And it's in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. And it says, this is what the Lord says. Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel its path and you will find rest for your souls. Some of y'all, y'all need that rest right now, right? But you reply, you reply, no, that's not the road we want. And so today here, right, we're standing at a crossroads. One way has the world offering stuff to you, and one way has the old godly way, right? The way that has rest for your souls. And we can be like the Israelites in this passage and say, no, that's not what I want. Because the thing is, Jesus is not going to take prisoners. He doesn't want a prisoner. He wants somebody that genuinely wants to be with him. Because the thing is, he wants to protect your soul. He wants to love your soul. He wants to make sure you get to his kingdom. As it states in Acts, right, God made us here so that we could seek out and perhaps reach out for him. He made us to have a relationship with him. But he's not going to take a prisoner. He's not going to force you to be with him if you don't want it. And so, and that's the thing, the choice is always going to be yours. Are you going to let the world corrupt your soul? Are you going to give your soul up to God? And when I think about this choice and just about giving up how the choices affect us, I think about the ending of the Avengers movie, Infinity War, right? And uh, I guess, spoiler alert, but the movie came out in April, guys. So if you haven't seen it, like, I'm not waiting for you to catch it on Netflix or Redbox right now. So, right, so Thanos gets this glove, right? Because the Avengers, they're all fighting him so that he doesn't get this glove. Because if he gets the glove, he snaps his fingers, half the universe disappears. So he gets the glove. Snaps his fingers, half the universe disappear. Some of the people, some of the superheroes die, guys. Uh, I don't know if I'm ruining that for you, but people die. Uh, uh, and so, right, and so at the end of the movie, he's standing in this place called the Soul Realm, and he sees his daughter Gamora, who he also kills to get the Soul Stone. Spoiler alert, I guess. Um, so he kills her, and so he sees her in this other realm, and she stands and she turns around and asks him a question that even pierced me when I was watching the movie, and she asked him. What did it cost? And he states everything. Because he lost everything just to get this glove, just to get these stones. He lost his family. He lost his daughter. He lost everything just so he can snap his fingers and get rid of half the universe. And the thing is, we're standing at that crossroads today. When you die, will Jesus greet you with open arms when he sees that you gave his soul to him? Or will he see that you gave your soul up for the world? And will he say, what did it cost? I'll close this out in prayer today. <clears throat> um, God, I'd just like to thank you for another day. Just uh, glad that we can be here, God, and just to really see, do we really see the worth of our soul that you gave us? Do we really see how much bigger it is than anything out there in the world today, God? 
please be with us, God, to really start feeding our souls something good, God. Start really making sure that we really put our effort and all of it into it when it comes to feeding our soul. Allow us not to be strayed or distracted by what the world is offering. Because the world can be very tempting, God, but it holds nothing to our soul as you stated. God, allow people who need to call people higher when it comes to their soul, God, to call these people higher, God. Not waiting for someone else to say it. You put them there for a reason to help that person's soul, God. Because we're not only here to help our souls, but to help others as well, God. And as always, all the glory goes to your son, who shed his blood for forgiveness of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen.